The biggest hurdle between me and eating healthy, delicious meals for lunch is decision fatigue. Honestly, by the time lunchtime rolls around, I've already made like a thousand decisions from what my toddler should wear to how much I want to argue with her about how you have to brush your teeth in the morning, you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, I absolutely agree. And like I have taken to doing meal preps or like buying a bunch of ready to eat meals to like heat up quickly. And I recently tried Factor. And let me tell you, Factor is like 12,000 steps above and beyond any ready to meet eat meal I have ever tried before. That's right. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef curated, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started and get after your goals. I tried the two-minute meals where I could fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. And they also offer pancakes, smoothies, and more. There's a wide variety of easy options throughout the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Plus, there's no prep and no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup required. Factor is also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution when you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. And you don't want to make any more decisions because you're exhausted, like me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 and use code justbreakup50 to get 50% off. That's code justbreakup50 at factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 to get 50% off. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And today we're going to answer a letter from somebody who is searching for more sex in his queer relationship. But before we begin, <laughs> we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners. Right. And we are not sex therapists. We are not trained in this. We are not lawyers. Man, we got some lawyer advice this week. <laughs> we are just two schmucks who don't know what they're talking about. So please take our advice as you see fit. We are only here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs about the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right, we're going to dive right into today's letter, which comes from the young and the sexless, whose pronouns are he, love him, who is writing from. <laughs> yeah, it's very cute who is writing from a place of longing. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I am so glad that I found your podcast. 
I'm a trans guy, he, him, in my mid-30s, married to a cis woman, she, her, also in her mid-30s. We've been together for 15 years and have two school-aged kids. We both identify as gold star lesbians, kind of a joke, kind of not, since we've both only ever slept with people with vulva. We have a great relationship. We respect, support, and love each other very much. We have built a wonderful life, and I am happy. But there's one thing. We have sex maybe once a month, although a month has been known to come and go with no sex. Since we're queer, I'm using the term sex broadly here. Mm -hmm. This is why I'm reaching out to you, looking for a queer perspective on this. In the straight sex advice world, there's the ever-present narrative that men always want sex and their wives are always looking to get out of it. There's the quote advice that men should take on more of the mental load because a stressed out, resentful woman isn't going to be in the mood. But we're a Mm. queer couple and we don't fall into stereotypical gender roles. I'm the primary parent. I keep the house clean. I make appointments. I deal with insurance and taxes and car registration and camp signups. And if we're running low on milk, I'm the one dripping with kids and their needs. And at the end of the day, (laughs) I would just be so happy for my wife to see me as a sexual person. Mm. I honestly don't know why we have so little sex. I do a million little things for her that should make her life less stressful and potentially help her feel some desire. I'm attractive, obviously subjective, but I think so anyway. I make sure that she has the time she needs to exercise and meditate and do other self-care. That I know of, she has no sexual trauma and wasn't raised in a religion that's shamed sexually. She just doesn't seem to have a sex drive and she doesn't seem to think it's a problem. And I don't want to say that it is a problem. People have Mm. the sex drives they have and there's nothing wrong with her. And I certainly don't want to ever force her to do anything that she isn't into. I'm struggling to name why I even think sex is important for a relationship. We, mm. ha- If we have love, closeness, and intimacy in different ways, maybe it doesn't matter. But then why is it all I can think about a lot of the time? If I'm honest, I want her to want it, but there's nothing I can mm. say or do that's going to convince her that she should want sex. Part of me is just sad that she doesn't see how much joy, pleasure, stress relief, and fun sex can bring. I want to make her feel so amazingly good, and she won't let me. I can and do get myself off. I don't want sex because I think my wife owes me orgasms. Mm. I know you'll say that we should talk about it, but we have, but I don't know if I can bring it up again. She knows how I feel. If I bring it up when it's been a while, it's loaded and creates pressure. If I bring it up when it hasn't been a while, she feels like the sex we have is never good enough. There are so many things I wish I could ask her or talk about. Fantasies, oral sex, which is a firm no from her. Another thing which is upsetting, but I can't force her to want. But Mm. I'm stuck trying to make peace with once a month sex, which for what it's worth is usually pretty good. Just very routine. I want more sex. I want a partner who is interested in exploring and playing with me. I otherwise have a perfect marriage. So I don't know why I am so hung up on this desire. Can Mm. I learn to live in an almost sexless marriage without going insane? Is there a way to address this that's gentle and loving? Even though I know she loves me so much, it's really painful that my partner doesn't desire me, especially when I desire her all the time. She doesn't understand and says she shows me she loves me in other ways, but I just want her to text me in the middle of the day about how badly she wants me and that she's going to rip my clothes off after the kids are asleep. But I'm in a monogamous marriage, so I will never, ever have that. And it makes me sad. What do you queers think? (laughs) You queers, what do you think? Which is just like, (laughs) times have really changed. I love that. (laughs) 20 years ago, that that. would have been like a big slur, but like... (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I kind of like it. I mean, I love it. P- but I do recognize the moment that you're <laughs> yeah, acknowledging. Just like, wow, that, like, yep. What are you queers? You know? yeah. <laughs> like, oh, God. P.S. The one time I suggested couples therapy nearly ended our relationship. So maybe don't tell me to do that again. All right, my queer love. Um, Thank you so much for writing. My queer darling is what I should have said. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for writing and for trusting us with this question. Uh, The care and thoughtfulness that you put into writing it and the care and thoughtfulness that you obviously put into your partnership, I really appreciate. And I feel grateful that you even are interested in our advice because I know this is a really tricky um, and lonely place to be at times. Mm. Um, And yeah, man, the shape... Sex is fucking so weird (laughs) because you know what I'm thinking about now? We've spent a lot of episodes in the past like covering um, different sexual desires and, um, you know, not feeling ashamed for wanting sex and, you know, the, the cultural conditioning that takes place with sexuality and desire. Um, But this letter makes me think about how our, like our societal upbringing when it comes to sex also doesn't prepare us for long-term partnerships that ebb and flow in their sexual desire, even though like societally we are, it's like be sexual, but like don't be sexual all the time, Mm -hmm. but don't not have sex because that means you're wrong, but like don't have too much sex because that means you're fucking weird or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like just... Man, we are so fucked up about sex. Listen, um, the young and the sexless, our letter writer, you're not fucked up about sex. This all sounds very reasonable. I'm just thinking like (laughs) about why sex is so tricky. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I was listening to a Dr. Becky parenting episode. (laughs) Like Dr. Becky is a parenting expert or whatever. And it was an episode all about like how to talk to your kids about sex. And she was like, you know, you there's no wrong age to talk to your kid about sex. There's no wrong age. You can talk to him as young as two yep. about sex because sex is just like another thing. Like how do how do you make bread? How does the car go? Why is the sky blue? How are babies made? It's just another thing. And she said, if you feel discomfort as to t- as to why and how babies are made, you know, and obviously babies are made in. M- in many different ways. Um, But if you feel discomfort about that, you have to think about, well, what did your parents say that made you feel like sex was uncomfortable? (laughs) Literally everything. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, literally everything. So I'm like preparing myself to, you know, to have a baby or a baby toddler. um, It's like, what is going to start asking a a baby who is also a toddler. (laughs) This is getting really tangential. but like in between the toddler and the baby. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Because a toddler is is <laughs> not disti- a baby. Okay. <laughs> it's just a toddler's from a not baby. a baby. And a, a, okay. But there's this weird stage where your baby's not like an infant anymore, but it's not a toddler yet. There, it's not toddling, so it can't be a toddler. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but it's no longer babying. No, just kidding. Yeah. No. Got it. So we can like this stand and like walk a little bit. This but, is like... already a tangent before we started getting to the term baby. So let me just wrap it up so we before. can. You yeah. listen to me yeah. all the time when I use uh, a word you don't know. You're like, wait a minute, what is that? 
<laughs> Superfluous? Like, yeah, what does what, that what mean? What are you even saying? <laughs> um, okay, so uh, all I was saying is the Dr. Becky parenting podcast episode was basically challenging all of us parents out there to be like, why do we think it's weird to talk about sex when it's so prevalent? It's everywhere. It's it's so natural. I don't know. I This is tangential, but this is all to say. I have lots of confusing, frustrating thoughts about this and why this is showing up in your relationship this way. And we're going to get to some of them after this break. <laughs> all right. Y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. <laughs> And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. (laughs) Stop wasting money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... 
Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, we were just talking about sex, so we're going to get right back into it. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry for that fucking all over the place <laughs> introduction. I just feel for you to our letter writer. I feel for you because I feel like you're getting pulled in a lot of different directions and our understanding of sex does that. Oh, for That's sure. All. Absolutely. And like, I will be really honest with you that I am currently in conversations with my therapist about sex and my approach to sex and what sex means to me. (laughs) And I have been in therapy for, uh, I'm going to say like 13 ish years, perhaps more. And this is the first time (laughs) that I am like being really honest with a therapist about sex and how it makes me feel and like all of the stuff that's tied to it. Um, so like I deeply get that, like these conversations around sex are really fraught. And one of the things that I'm unpacking is that like, even in conversations about sex between me and Peter, there are so many other things that are influencing that conversation Yes, that are like really disrupting our ability to talk about it in a meaningful way. And I will say it's really disrupting my ability. I'm not going to make any assumptions about like what yeah. Peter is feeling about it, but right where if I have a conversation about the fact that I just have a lower sex drive than other people in my life, right? Like it is, sex is great. It's fun. I enjoy it. Like I get it. Like I understand that it's great and it's fun to feel good. (laughs) It is not on my top 10 list of things to like want to do like in any given day, right? Like it's just not, it does not, it, it just like is not that interesting to me. And I get that other people love it. Like that's totally different. But even me just saying that out loud fills me with so much shame because I assume that there's something wrong with me that I don't want sex in the same way that other people do. And I feel like I am denying my partner something that is so important, right? Because everyone talks about sex as being like the number one thing, right? And maybe that's not Mm. true, but that's definitely sort of my, the story that I'm telling myself that when I say it's number 10 and I don't actually like want to do it that often, it feels like I'm somehow disrupting the whole of my relationship with Peter and with other people that I've been in relationship right. with. Cause it's just like the, the societal conversation around it is just like so intense all the time and so disruptive and like so contradictory in so many ways. Right. And like yeah. the book ACE by Angela Chen. So Spencer out of tally to the list uh, is, <laughs> is really helped me think about the ways in which we sort of, prioritize sex and, and like the culture shift that's happened where it is not necessarily a a bad thing to want anymore, but now it's like, you want it, you're only healthy if you want it all the time in every which way, right? Like, and Mm -hmm. if you're not on either side of those extremes, then you're somehow doing something wrong. And also if you're on either side of those extremes, then you are still doing something wrong. Cause like, there's no winning when it comes to like how much sex you're supposed to want or supposed to have. So like, I totally understand that. Like when you two are talking about sex, it feels like it's all just about like you're pressuring her or that like 
she's thinking that it's not good enough. And like, I don't know if these are things like words that have come out of her mouth or if you're just Mm -hmm. assuming them. And again, like even if these are words that come out of her mouth, like she's also making a lot of assumptions around what you're trying to tell her in that instance. Right. And so like, I deeply understand that these conversations around sex don't happen in a vacuum and they're so tied to all of these, the shit that we've learned about it. And what I'm learning in this literal moment right now, like in the actual therapy that I'm having, is that like part of the work is about having these types of conversations out loud and in a way that is acknowledging all of that other stuff so that it doesn't just become like a running mm. tool of assumption, right? Like just like a running mm-hmm. path, like a an escalator towards you're not having the right type of sex and you're a bad person for it, which is like the second I start talking about it is the excellent, like that is the way that like, that is the direction that I'm moving. And it's like a media, like it transports me there immediately. And I have to be Mm. like, here we are again. We have to choose something different. And like, Easier said than done. I know this intimately because it's like, we're talking in real time about like what I'm trying to do. But I do wonder if, I will say that like, if this is something that is a really big thing for you, you and your wife are going to have to get more practiced at talking about it in a way where you can hear what each other is saying without the assumed undertones or like undergirdings of this like really noxious stuff that we've been taught about sex and what it means about us and whether or not we're good or bad people. Yes. I was, I want to talk a little bit more about that, about like that, that you, that we have to be able to talk about sex in our relationships. We, we, we have to be able to climb that mountain of potential awkwardness or implications or whatever. But first I want to say, I think what sent me on that spiral when I, (laughs) when I opened this response and and was just like, sex is confusing is something else I'm reading in this letter, you know, that I feel like is personal to me as well is this idea of there's lots of things in my life that are fulfilling me that are making me feel intimacy. I feel loved. I'm secure, but this is the only way that I know how to fill this cup, this Mm. specific cup Mm -hmm. of lust, or maybe it's desire, or maybe it's the physical, you know, your specific cup. I don't know what shape it takes or what needs to fill it. For sure. But like for me, it's like, I love my wife. I think my wife is such a babe. She tells me regularly that she thinks that I'm attractive, but I don't often feel like desirable unless there's some sort of sexual desire explicitly stated, right? <laughs> For sure, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Like, uh, I don't know how to say this more clearly or less clearly, <laughs> but like, you know, I think especially in long-term partnerships, regardless of what your relationship is made up of in terms of um, sexuality, gender, identity, et cetera, like, I think we've been sold this idea that the kind of sex we have when we're younger, (laughs) when we are in lust with each other, when we are, um, when, when you're in the honeymoon stage is what equates desirability, sexy, you know, like 
I guess what I'm trying to say is like, it's perfectly normal for you to be in a completely stable, healthy, fulfilling, wonderful relationship in which you feel all of these boxes checked and Mm. be like, I don't feel desired anymore. I want you to want me. I want you. Like that is a very specific feeling that often is deprioritized in long-term partnerships, especially with the logistics of having a household to run with children. You know what I mean? Um, It makes a lot of sense. Everything that you wrote makes so much sense to me because it's not that you're like, it's not like you don't have the intimacy of your wife's partnership. It's that you want to feel desired and you want to show her your desire. And that is, that can only come out in certain ways, or at least it feels like it can only come out in certain ways. And I think it's like, no, absolutely. And I think it's, it is really a legitimate thing to feel right. Like as somebody who's coming from the other side of it, where I'm like, I don't know, I kissed your face and grabbed your butt. Like what else, how else do you need to know that (laughs) I desire you? you, Right. Like (laughs) that's how I'm expressing it. I wanted to kiss your face and grab your butt. Right. Like I, um, I to- but I also like totally understand the other side of the coin where somebody's like, this is the, like the only or the best way for yeah. me to experience it. And I need it. And yes. And I think that like, there are absolutely ways that folks can, can come to agreement around it. Right. There are places where we can sort of flex and adapt to each other and, and that's okay. Right. That takes conversation for sure. Yeah. And it takes the ability to have those conversations in a way that aren't reading into everything else, which it sounds like isn't hard, which, yeah. And it sounds like, isn't something that you all have been able to do so far. Well, and I think that like, let me just like name exactly what I'm thinking of, you know, like my spouse can be like, you're sexy. I find you attractive. I think you're beautiful. I want you, you know, she can say all those things to me, but nothing's going to scratch that itch in such a particular way as somebody like taking you and ripping your clothes off and like doing you on the kitchen island. You know what I mean? For sure. <laughs> or like the text message that, that the letter writer wrote about, like you can, ha- you can have all of this intimacy. You can even have sex at a somewhat regular interval of, of monthly sex, right? You can, you can do that, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to feel wanted or fucked or, you know, like I've had to come to accept that. Like, I'm probably not going to feel the same level or the same kind of lusted after mm-hmm. <laughs> that mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, going home with my new crush ever again. <laughs> does that make sense? Like it does. It does. Or like, you know, it's just different. It it is a it's a it's a different sensation, you know? Mm-hmm. And and what I'm reading in this letter is like you you have all of these things going for you in this relationship, but you really feel underserved in this particular feeling or particular act. And that, it makes so much sense to me. I just want to say that. It makes oh, absolutely. So much sense. Absolutely. And I think, I think that Sierra's absolutely right. Right. Like that, that there is that flexing and adapting that can happen where you're like, yep. Yeah. And where I'm choosing this relationship, which means that I'm never going to have like first time ripping clothes off sex with my crush. Right. Like, and, and that's okay. That's an okay thing to give up. Yeah. Like it's not sad. It's not a problem. Like if you're doing it with clear eyes and making that decision for yourself. Like, great. Love that. And I'll also say that like, 
it's okay if this is an incompatibility that like, yeah, that breaks up the relationship. It is okay. Right. Like you're not, you're not a bad person for saying that like consistent sex is important to me. It is a thing that makes me feel loved and appreciated. And if I'm not getting it, it's hard for me to hear it from other places. That's an okay thing to also say. And it's okay for your partner to be like, and I don't want to do more of it. Right. Like it's just not, it's not for me. And, but I do think that like the only way you're going to get to a point where you can discern whether there is flexibility or not flexibility is if you two build up the capacity to be able to talk about sex in a way that is constructive and not just shameful, which sounds like is what's happening now. And one of the ways to do that, and I know you told me not to tell you this, but one of the ways to do that is, is couples therapy or individual therapy too, right? Like that could be something that you're maybe your partner and you both go to separate therapists and talk about your understandings and, and feelings around sex, like what it means for you. Why is it happening? But right now it feels like you two are sort of trying to talk to each other and you don't have the right words or language to be able to do it. And, and those words and language are not just things that come naturally to us. We were not taught them in childhood to Sierra's point, right? Like my parents never sat me down and told me how to have a conversation about sex that wasn't weird or awkward or shameful. Yes, like they never did. Because they were weird and <laughs> awkward and ashamed Absolutely. about it. That's, that's the cycle right there. Love them, right? Like they, yes, in so many ways, they were wonderful parents. And like in this particular place, they tried for sure, but it was never anything that was not uncomfortable or weird or shameful, right? So I don't know how you get that language without being willing to commit to do the Duolingo, right? To like do yeah. the, the actual exercises <laughs> to like bring that language into your like a, understanding. A Duolingo in this situation. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Duolingus is what I'm trying to no. say. Uh, I hate us. I hate us. <laughs> uh, and, those were some superb jokes. <laughs> thank you. Uh, so yeah, I something needs to change and it's going to take intentional effort. Right. Or else it's going to stay the same. And like, maybe that's okay with you. sounds like it's yeah. not because you wrote into two strangers about it. I'm like, oh, you don't <laughs> like it. So I'm not sure that it feels okay, but. Absolutely. And I just want to say too, like, you know, Sam's like, you know, it feels like you're struggling to have this conversation because you're not, you don't have the right words or, or you're coming at it from different points of view. And I want to remind you and your wife that like, we all have different sex. We all, we have this shared understanding of what sex is, but not only do we all do different things in our bedrooms or on our kitchen islands, <laughs> but we all experience sex differently. Some of us have sex to feel desired. Some of us have sex to show intimacy. Some of us have sex to make another person feel good. Some mm-hmm. of us have sex to to distract. Some of us have sex as though it is a 100% out of body experience, right? <laughs> sure. Some of us have sex and it is so intimate, so present, so in the body. And just like we are all, you know, just like you and your wife have two separate marriages, even though you're in the same relationship, you two are having different sex when you come together, right? Mm-hmm. That was not meant to be a sex joke, but there you go. Um, (laughs) Or don't come together, whatever the case may be. (laughs) Right, exactly. So keep that in mind when you approach this conversation, because I totally agree with Sam. You have to be able to talk about it. And I think you can say words somewhere along the lines of, I know this makes us uncomfortable 
And I know this has led to conflict in the past because it makes us feel uneasy or shamed or uncomfortable or, or, or whatever it is. But if we can't talk about our sex life, then how else are we going to connect and problem solve together? You might not feel like this is a deficit. I do. That's okay. It's not, you know, you're not, you we're on the same team, right? Um, We have to be able to talk about the things that make us uncomfortable. And, you know, I, I also feel for your wife because I have sensitivity to people bringing critiques to me, you know, like I'm all about hard conversations and I'm all about teamwork and I'm all about you know, internal growth and stuff like that. But I am the only one that can talk shit about myself. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I'm the only one that can tell myself an asshole. If you call me an asshole, I will be really sad forever. (laughs) Right. Um, right. And um, so, and like Sam said, we have so much conditioning around sex that have, has, there's reasons why we feel uncomfortable around it. There's reasons why your wife responds in this way, but you know, you have, you have to be able to talk about it. You have to take the emotions out of it. And here's my challenge to you. And I know this can be really hard because like you said, you, you know, if you talk about it after you've had sex, it's like, it's never enough. And if if you talk about it after there's been a no, a sex drought, then it's like, oh, there's a lot of pressure. You have to be able to set the stage of this conversation as, as securely and as, as, with the strongest foundation, right? Like you have to come to this, not neutrally, but you have to be able to try to call her into a conversation in which she doesn't feel attacked. It's not your responsibility to make her process her feelings in a specific way or not. But Mm -hmm. I just know that this can be very fraught. I don't know if that makes sense, but just like, I think about my, Whenever my wife like calls me out on my bullshit, my sensitivity bullshit, it's not like you're being a sensitive asshole, Sierra. It's that she's so calm and secure and level headed about things that my bullshit has nowhere to hide. And it's just like out there in the open. And then I'm like, oh, man, if she would if she were to come to me and say, like, you always get uncomfortable. It seems like you always get uncomfortable when we talk about money. And I know that's because you probably feel insecure about money and because you have shame about money. Um, But we have to be able to talk about money for our relationship to be able to grow and succeed. Mm -hmm. It's something that's important to me. And I would like us to be able to have constructive conversations about it without you getting defensive. Is that possible? Can you do that to me? She has said a variation of that to me in the past. And it's like, I'm like a deer in headlights with her and the headlights are her security and stability. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like she just comes to me and I'm like, what are you talking about? I can't be like emotionally irrational and, 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 and defensive, you know, get defensive so that I can get myself out of this uncomfortable, comfortable conversation. (laughs) Oh no, absolutely. I have had that exact moment happen where Peter has said something like very rational and I have this like fight or flight sensation and I'm like, (laughs) okay, so this is not, us. This is me. Yes. Yes, totally. <laughs> um, anyway, we know that this is really tricky and hard. Um, and I know that we've just had like a really roundabout conversation that tells you again, you have to talk about it with her. Um, but hopefully you feel 
a little bit less alone in it and affirmed and maybe we gave you some scripts. I don't know. I yeah, don't know. I think so. I think so. I think we gave some <laughs> some tangible advice in that sort of yeah, musing bubble. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, good luck. We love you. And we hope this helps. Yeah. Thank you so much. We love you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you are interested in more content from us or ad-free episodes, you can support us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode as well as ad-free versions of all of our episodes. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at justbreakuppod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please remember to like, follow, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review. This literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music recording, editing all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis. Make sure to check out his music under Big Cats on Spotify. And remember, there is no one-size-fits-all sexuality. It's okay if you don't want to have sex as much as your partner. It's okay if you want more intimacy than your partner provides. And despite the fact that these conversations can be very uncomfortable and bring a lot of baggage and shame that we inherited from our parents or society, it is okay to talk about sex and desires or lack thereof. And if all else fails, just break up. 